Hi there, it's me, Josephine, your performing arts business strategist and coach. And today I have the gorgeous studio owner, Isabella Nikodonovsky from N2 Dance Productions. Now she has two studio sites and um, has been in business for the last three years. Aside from that, she's also been working with the Kinder Ballet brand for eight years um, on the back end and as a teacher, and she trains the Kinder Ballet dance teacher. So you're going to hear a little bit about that as well. She has a business degree and she is really excited about expanding her business now even further than the two sites that she has. Um, She is going to be opening up her own in-house talent management service. So she'll be representing artists in film, television, theatre and commercial and stage all through the studio walls in which her talent lives. Now, she's doing that um, as part of a course that I've provided called Talent Manager Bootcamp. You'll hear a little bit about that towards the end of the interview. Um, But essentially, she is an advocate for what we do. She's just come through my course. She is about to go into implementation mode and really build on her already uh, growing studio. Uh, So having that in-house time management service is a wonderful addition there. You're going to get to know about Isabella. She talks about her challenges over the last three years, what she's learned through her process, um, not just about COVID, but also just being a new studio owner and the ebbs and flows of that. Anyway, I think you're in for a treat, introducing the lovely Isabella. Here we go. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lankuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative, or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line, to then living paycheck to paycheck, to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion, and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts and all that jazz. Okay, I'm so excited. Today we have Isabella Nikodinovsky on the show. She's a studio owner and she's got so many beautiful things to share. She's also one of our participants in the Talent Manager Bootcamp that I've been running. So welcome, Isabella. How are you going today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's great to be here. Yeah, awesome. I'm so excited because um, we actually met many years ago, didn't, oh, a couple of years ago now. I think it was like a little networking dinner, lunch or something with a bunch of studio owners. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was, I think, right just before the first wave of COVID here in um, Sydney. So it felt like forever ago, but it was only two years ago, I think. I know. And you know what's really funny about that is we were talking about the challenges of running and facilitating programs and studios and studio life. And like 
literally, I think it was two or three weeks later, there was a global pandemic. A little did we know, hey. I know. And we were complaining about oh, parent communication. And, <laughs> and then the next thing you know, it's like that all just seemed like nothing. Yeah. So really interesting times. And I think there's been such a shift since we met to today. Look, I want to jump in because um, how long have you been running your studio for? Yeah, so this year is our fourth year um, and we've expanded to two locations. So we're in Ermington and Wentworth Point. Um, and as much as, you know, we've been through a very difficult couple years, um, mm. three years seems, you know, seems like a lifetime ago that we started this. Yeah, and it's amazing because you really just, you were still such a new studio when you started when the pandemic came along. So I, I imagine that that, you were just probably getting into the flow of your systems and processes and all that, and then that happened, you know. Tell me um, how you came about that. So how did you get into dance in the first place? Yeah, it's actually quite a funny story. Um, back in the day when I was a kid, mum, they had diagnosed me with ADHD, mm-hmm. and this was sort of before it became, you know, really well-known, Um as like a common thing for students to have these days. Mm. Um, And the doctors just said, put her into any kind of activity that you can just to get rid of all that energy. So (laughs) she took me along to little athletics and to soccer and all these things. And she took me to the dance studio and it's quite a well-known one in Sydney. And um, she turned to the teacher and she said, I'm going to apologise now because my three-year-old is just going to run amok in your class, but I just got to give it a go. And, you know, class went on. This was back before, you know, parents were sort of allowed in the room to even see a trial class. And we came out at the end of class and the teacher had told my mum that I was the most focused three-year-old she had ever taught. So mum said, that's it, sign her up. This is what she's meant to do. And I think I've taken that with me all through life. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, you know, it's funny because I love hearing those, you know, how you got started stories. So that's beautiful that you started at three. I know that you're heavily involved with, um, is it Kinder Ballet? They're, they're a little toddler program that um, you tell me. Tell me about Kinder Ballet and what you do with those guys because I know that you own a studio, but you also work with Kinder Ballet, the company. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So Kinder Ballet is a, um, quite a well-known preschool program across Australia. Um, and we mainly run classes for, you know, that preschool age group and we sort of go to about 10. Um, they've been, they're based in Melbourne, but we're obviously operating in most states in um, Australia. Now we, I think I came about them um, one of my first teaching jobs after school. It was just sort mm-hmm. of, you know, to have something on the side at uni and, you know, Kinder Ballet went along, I applied for it, went and had my interview and here we are eight, eight or so years later. Um, I'm also managing the Sydney team at the moment, which is really exciting because not only do I get to still teach and do what I love with, you know, the preschool age group, um, I also get to, you know, introduce other teachers to the great program that we offer and, you know, sort of help facilitate their journeys um, as teachers. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's really, you know, great that you've also been with that company for eight years. I imagine that you're offering that that kinder experience in your own studio. Is that correct? Yeah. So 
as much as I love it, I'm not biased at all. I think it's a great program. Um, we decided to take that and I guess that sort of really helped us in the initial startup days um, to be able to offer like a licensed program like Kinder Ballet in our studio. Um, it's probably not one of the more well-known ones, but those who do come along do definitely see the value in that program. So it's really nice to see that parents appreciate um, the programs that we put in place. Yeah, amazing. Now, you you said that you've sort of started your business journey three or four years ago. Is it three or four years? Three, yeah. yeah three we years ago. Tell me about that. What actually made you decide to open up a studio? So you've come from being, you know, a student, you've loved to dance, you've come onto this company that facilitates programs for others and now you're training and mentoring these teachers. But what actually made you think, hey, I want to open up my own studio? Yeah, I think there was always something in the back of my mind that had told me that teaching was something I wanted to do. Um, I know it definitely wasn't mainstream and looking back, I'm kind of glad I didn't go down that path because I'm not envious at all of what, you know, these teachers are going through at the moment, especially the past couple of years. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. I guess I just really enjoyed dancing as a kid. I spent, you know, most of my afternoons, weekends at a Steadford's competitions, travelling, that sort of thing, and my dance family became, you know, a second family and that's what most kids tend to say when they come to dance schools and you know we I thought that with my sister um she's also a dancer and my left-hand lady um <laughs> she we decided that you know it would be great to have this and you know create our own dance family because you know it was something we find so valuable and I definitely think it's shaped you know who I who I've become um as a person mm. what sort of you know, challenges do you think you've had to face? I mean, obviously we know there's COVID, but just getting started as a studio business, I mean, what, what are some of the things you, you think have been most challenging along your, your, your journey so far? And for some studio owners, you know, three years is actually still quite a baby business, like it's still a new, fresh business, you know, because you've got studio owners that have been running and operating for 10, 20 years, but I think three years is enough to sort of test the waters and know if it's going to work for you. So what made you, you know, what, what are the challenges that you've sort of had to face or things that you've learned along the way, do you think, in such a short period of time? Yeah, uh, let's unpack that. I actually have done a side note. I've done a business degree as well. Um, and I guess from my experience, you know, you kind of hear that most businesses about, I think it's about 70%, might even be less now um, or more actually tend to fail in their first two years. So I definitely knew what I was signing up for, <laughs> trying to start a new business. Um, but I was determined to say, you know, even if it's just a bucket list thing, I want to tick it off and say that I've tried it. Mm. Um, because I think that's something that is ignited in you as a dancer, that you're always pushing and striving for more. And I think, again, that sort of has added to who I am as a person. Um, the challenge is, you know, definitely like, where do you start? Um, when you don't personally have any, you know, any direct people apart from the studios that you've danced at, those sorts of people um, who, you know, as we know as studio owners, we have very limited time, but, you know, we're very thankful when you can get that sort of mentoring from um, studio owners or other people in, you know, the creative arts industry to get their advice. Um, that was obviously a really big part of helping me take that first step. 
Um, I have to admit there was quite a few that said, you know, once you've signed up, it's a full-time thing. Make sure you know that it'll take over your life. And I think a part of me really wanted that to be the case because of how much I love dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely challenges of, you know, it said, where do you set up? Where do you go to for assistance? You know, do you need, um, is there government funding? You know, with COVID, obviously, some things have changed. Um but yeah, it, it is a very big pull to sort of jump into. But I mean, I think we've found the floor quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, and and quickly is the word. You opened up a second site within three years. How long until you decided to do that? Like when you said, I'm going to open up a second site? Yeah, we actually started to get a few students come from areas that I sort of almost, I have to admit, missed in our SWOT analysis early on. Um, Wentworth Point was a very up-and-coming area. It's not been established for very long and it's not very well connected. So we found that a lot of the people that were coming across were sort of looking for something a bit closer to home. So we started doing our research and turned out that council had put a bit of funding into some new spaces in the area. So we uh, decided to make the leap and just, you know, see if it would work out and it turns out that it paid off. And when you talk about researching an area, what does that actually entail for you? Do you look at, is it just about space or an instinct or do you say, I'm actually going to look at the demographics of this space? Like what is it about an area that makes you select it? Yeah, I think that's a tricky one. Um, And I, to be honest, never thought that we would be a multi-location school. I thought we'd just have the one main premises, you know, easy for everyone to get to that sort of thing. Um, But, yeah, opening a new space, definitely you have to do your research on the dynamics of the area. You know, is it an older area or is it a new area with up-and-coming families? Is there growth potential there? Um, It's not just let's go and have a look for the pretty space. Obviously, that's a nice big tick box um, because if you don't have a suitable space, you're definitely not going to run the best classes you possibly can. Um, But, yeah, it just seems that once we started putting some feelers out that there was definitely a need um, for some classes in the area and I think that's why it's paid off. Yeah, okay. So what do you think you've, what's the biggest thing you've learnt over the last three years of business? What's a big takeaway so far, do you think? Gosh, I think the biggest takeaway would have to be expect the unexpected mm-hmm. um definitely especially in the past two years where we've sort of had limited control um expect the unexpected yeah yeah and i i know the word uncertainty gets thrown out a lot um especially during these times but there has been a lot of uncertainty and you do have to expect the unexpected I mean, it's just been absolutely insane, not just the pandemic, but there's so much going on in the world at the moment. And now as well, we've got the flooding going on and all of that in Australia. I just think, you know, you just don't know what it is that's going to be the thing that throws a spanner in in the works. And I do think about all of those studio owners um, that are in flood-affected areas at the moment. Like that's another, like who would have thought? you know, and it's just another thing. And I think having like um, just being kind to yourself in moments like those 
and also hoping that your customers follow you and wait for you and do all of the things. And I mean, that's why we also created that hybrid version. So anytime we can't run something, it's run virtually. It doesn't even have to be from someone locally. It can be someone in another regional state. So, you know, just having those facilities set up as well is, is a thing that can help you along. But I love that. Expect the unexpected. Yes. Right. <laughs> now, um, you also, so aside from starting a studio and branching out into a new location and really, you know, you're doing, you've done a business degree, so you're obviously really committed to the idea of business and to growth, it sounds like, right? Definitely. <laughs> it sounds interesting, for you, obviously, for you to be going and pursuing it at that level. Um, recently, you just completed a Talent Manager Bootcamp. Now, Talent Manager Bootcamp out there for anyone that doesn't know is a program, a course, an online course that I'm running, which um, essentially gives studio owners the tools and resources to open up their own in-house talent management service so they can represent artists in film, TV, commercial, um, stage, and all that jazz, right? <laughs> so tell me about that because um, you've just gone through my beta course with a few members um, and we're about to launch that out publicly in March, which I'm super excited about. But tell me when when you heard about Talent Manager Bootcamp and the opportunity to open up a management service, what was it about that that you thought, hey, like maybe I'll give that a go? Like what, what actually motivated you to jump on board? Yeah, so I guess from a customer point of view, I, I think sometimes those sorts of things feel like they're out of reach that you'd have to go to an elite kind of school to get that sort of opportunity um, and I think the course for me I saw it as a great business opportunity because not only could it possibly increase my income um, and expand my offerings it's also great for the kids you know in terms of retention those kids that are hungry to look for more whether it's you know more performing opportunities or you know something in stage maybe it's something they never thought that they could do and because we're making it that much more accessible they might even find you know their calling like who are we to take that away from them yeah totally and I love that you use the word accessible because that really was my goal when I created the, the program talent manager bootcamp was that I wanted it to be accessible um I wanted everyone to know that there's no glass ceiling um and that anyone can do it so tell me I mean we're, we're about to get into implementation mode aren't we so you've just finished eight weeks um, of the program and now we're about to actually implement which is so exciting um tell me about the actual lessons because I'd love to I'd love to let people know out there like what it's like to actually experience the course so when you went through the lessons like and give me honest feedback. I'm totally cool with it. You can do that. <laughs> um, you know, was it easy to follow? Like, do you find that it was possible after the lessons and, and actually listening into the materials? What was your thoughts around that? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, as teachers, we're always doing lots of professional development courses. So, yeah. I think I'm, you know, safe to say that I've done a fair few in my time. Um, the courses uh, I guess the modules, I, I suppose I should say, um, were quite informative, but they weren't sort of boring, for lack of a better word. Um, they were quite engaging and we were able to work through things in a very logical way. So it seemed achievable. It was almost like a video on step-by-step -step guide on how to get to that end goal of, you know, offering the agency in-house in your studio. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really important because you mentioned earlier um, in our chat that studio owners are time poor. 
Yeah. And we know that to be true, right? So, I mean, gosh, we're, we're time poor because we just put so much energy into what we do and there's so many moving parts in a studio. It's not just delivering one product or service. You've got to deal with, you know, all of these different um customers and you know all of these different offerings production and production in itself is a whole other ball game you know there's so many moving parts costume ordering you know fittings photography there's so much going on so I wanted it to be really um you know manageable and that's yeah. why the lessons were bite-sized and, and I even asked you guys through that beta process, I'm like, you know, do you guys prefer longer lessons or short bite sizes? And I think, what was your response to that? Yeah, definitely short bite size. You know, if you're in between classes and you want to just have a quick five-minute video or just turn it on in the car, we had a great app as well that we could use. So that made it much more accessible for us, you know, on the road in between, you know, locations and that sort of thing. Yeah. I think as well, you know, um, I always say with this particular course it's all about you know increasing your your revenue increasing your student retention increasing your industry credibility that industry credibility part is is exactly what you were talking about in the sense that like you know that accessibility that if there's no golden gate or pedestal you have to be on I actually remember sitting on my couch one day putting submissions through for my agency and um it's very easy, like there's, you know, back, back-end website portals that we use and stuff. It's super easy to do. And I submitted someone for a Hugh Jackman role and with Hugh Jackman, not to be Hugh Jackman, but with Hugh Jackman. And I was like, I think that's when it dawned on me. That was a good couple of years ago now. And I remember just thinking, wow, like it's just like little old me sitting, like little old me, not to, you know, minimise myself or anything, but little old me sitting on the couch submitting artists to work with Hugh Jackman, you know, A-grade celebrities. Quite amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's possible. Um, tell me now, we've, we've booked in that you're going to be implementing in April, so you're actually going to yeah. be opening up. I do have to say um, <laughs> it's a pretty sad story, actually. My solicitor who's drawing up the um, contracts and whatnot is in um, Ballina which Aww. has just been evacuated for flooding. So it might take a little while to get that contract <laughs> back. But just saying, <laughs> but my point is, um, yeah, I think, you know, going into that implementation phase is really exciting for me. But what about you? What What is it that most excites you about the, the prospect of having your own in-house management, talent management service? I think the most exciting part is just knowing that we'll be able to give the kids that opportunity. Um, I think in terms of me being able to see, you know, that our kids are able to go for these roles um, based on the training that we've offered them or, you know, yes. an additional training that, you know, can be offered. Um, I think that's quite exciting, not just for me personally, but for the whole studio to see that, you know, someone from their family or tribe um, are, you know, out there in the real world um, as some people like to say, you know, doing what they love. Yeah, I think as well, um, like you said, your whole studio, I really focus on that, like that inclusive part. It's really important to me that anybody that's in a management service within a studio environment, that it's open to everyone and not just the elite. I personally think that's the best way forward. 
because you know any anyone can do it being a commercial these days honestly all you have to be is confident and willing to take direction if you're confident and willing to take direction you can be in a commercial when it comes to lead roles and stuff yes of course there's more involved and that's when that that training aspect really kicks in but um yeah i think that's a really important piece keeping it inclusive um, when it comes to your classes do you have um like you talk about this kinder ballet being a particular age range but how diverse is your studio um, so, again, we've sort of gone from the bottom-up approach. We didn't buy a studio, we created our own. So we definitely don't have a lot of older kids, um, but the ones that we have, you know, brought in from those kinder ballet ages have definitely stayed on with us. So we do offer um, classes. We even offer adult classes. Um, oh, beautiful. Yes, you do too. I had a friend that came along, I think, for a tap class or something to you guys. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yes. Very popular with the mums in the studio. So, mm. yeah, we do have a diverse range of um, students, not just, you know, not just your standard five-year-olds in in tutus. Um, we do have all ages and all abilities. You know, we do encourage everyone to come to our studio and I think it would very much be the same with the way we operate our uh, talent agency. Yeah. I think when it comes to offering, um, so having a mixed bag when it comes to youth and adults, I think that's interesting. Tell me, do those, because um, I see this a lot in like, you know, forums and groups for studio owners that are unsure about offering adult classes. What's your experience been like in that space? I guess at times I can see why some people would find it a bit daunting, um, those that mm -hmm. don't feel as socially present perhaps um i know dealing with kids is very much an entertainer's gig but that doesn't really go super well with an older age group so i think it's more about finding your niche and finding how you interact so as i said ours are mainly parents in the studio so we've already built up a good rapport with them and then from there it's just sort of a word of mouth kind of thing do you offer the classes at the same time as the kids so that they um sort of like child minding something to do or is it different is it all different scheduling yeah it's usually just at the end of the night so whoever's generally in the last class their parents will stick around for that final class of the night for themselves but yeah we definitely did want to branch out again COVID has hindered a lot of plans but we did have a plan to eventually offer you know uh, classes for parents whether they be tap classes or perhaps a pilates class at the same time as our junior classes you know during the week yeah i think that's a good idea i do because i think i know that even just okay if um my daughter obviously does my studio stuff but we have her doing other programs as well like gymnastics or whatever I feel like if there was a, an adult fitness class running at the same time as, you know, whatever, as her gym class, then I probably would just jump in and do it. But then we say this, don't we? And I find that adults can be like, they'll go, yeah, I want all these things. <laughs> they always put themselves last. <laughs> yeah. And then they just don't do it or they don't come every week. Do you, how do you get them to commit? Or is it just drop in? We don't. We just do it as a drop in class. So it's very casual, um, more of a social thing for some of them. And, you know, just that excuse to get out and say, no, this is my hour to myself. And mm. that's the way it's going to be. 
Yeah, cool. Awesome. So you talked about hindering growth. What was your growth outlook? What, what So I know that obviously you're now going to be starting this um, in-house talent management service and that really essentially is growth because it's adding that extra revenue stream and it's adding that extra thing within your business to really, you know, hopefully um, bring that strong retention and excitement within your studio walls. What were your plans prior to that, though? You mentioned that you couldn't do it because it was hindered by because of COVID. So what was sort of the plan and has it changed? I think a lot of things have changed post-COVID. I think we'd focus more on the studio that we have built because those that had started with us before COVID have definitely remained loyal and, you know, we're obviously very thankful for that because they've been able to help us continue to grow. Um, So we try and focus more of our energy into those retention strategies as opposed to, not that we completely disregard new students, we absolutely welcome them. Um, But I think working with what you've got, it's almost less work because it's relationships that you've already built up. Um, And there's only so many, you know, brothers and sisters names that we can remember all those little quirks about everyone and what mum and dad's dad does for work so yeah we definitely are focusing more on those retention strategies these days yeah I think retention is something that gets too too overlooked within a studio um yeah. it's so important like yes you need new, new clients if you're not if you're not generating new students you're dying because eventually your your the students you have leave so you need to be bringing new people through that's just the way it goes right yeah but at the same time you need to nurture those relationships you've already built and so, you know, in, you know, we had a really good retention um, rate this season and that's the best we've ever had. And that was 93% from December 2021 to February 2022. I find that, well, yeah, it was amazing and it's, that's our highest yet. Um, I find that we've worked a lot on retention in 2021. We had to because of everything going on. I mean, we were handwriting letters in when we were locked down during Easter. Like we were handwriting letters and sending by snail mail, colouring in competitions with kids' names on it, virtual hug cards to our seniors. You know, like we were doing all of this stuff, um, and I think that that really helped as well. So you know, being able to just remain connected and providing those sorts of um, not just opportunities through the agency, but opportunities within the studio as well. Like uh, we're going to Newcastle to do a musical theatre event there and we're getting sign-ups. So that's not happening for several months, but we're getting registrations now and things like that. So that keeps people going, well, oh, I'm not going to leave you guys because in October I'm going on this massive excursion with all my friends. I have to be there for October. It's that forward planning aspect, you know. Of course, and I think those smaller um, sort of gestures that we think, you know, they, they are a bit time-consuming. We did the handwritten cards as well um, and the letterbox drops. Um, but, yeah, they definitely do make a big impact. They do. And believe me, though, they do cost money. I was, you'd be surprised <laughs> because those stamps. <laughs> they- <laughs> back in my day, back in my day, those stamps were like a few cents and now it's like a dollar ten a stamp. Like what the yeah. heck is going on Australia Post, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're sending out hundreds of them, it's actually quite a it bit, especially up. if you send those rigid mailers. They're these things, right? 
these rigid mailers, they don't bend. They're like cardboard envelopes. Can't believe I'm telling you this, but listen up, everyone. So <laughs> they're really hard. And if you put a little certificate or card in, it's not going to bend or ruin, right? Mm-hmm. And they cost a couple of bucks. And then you've got to put two stamps on those things. That's $2.20, I tell you. Um, <laughs> but, hey, it's cheaper than uh, Facebook. Like we do our Facebook ads and everything. But if you think of those retention activities as marketing strategies, then it's an investment. So you might say, oh, my gosh, this mail-out just cost me like $800 or $1,000. But that's, that is um, an investment because you're, you're actually retaining clients, you're keeping strong communication, connection and bonds. You know, if you think of it like, okay, so how many terms of dance would I have to sell to make up that $800? Okay, I have to sell three terms of dance, four terms of dance. Yes, you will retain more students from that activity, so it's worth it. You know, it's that lifetime value aspect that I think so many people forget. Definitely. And that lifetime value just comes from that connection point. So and I think plans to open up more studios or anything like that? Yeah, I I was just going to add to that. I think Mm. that's so important, especially in a post-COVID world. I know we say the C word so often these days, but it's true. You called it the C word, by the way. But, yeah, I think we all sort of crave that and at some point maybe even some of us are a bit nervous to get back and, you know, socialise. And I think that's played a really important part that, you know, parents were so happy and pleased that we tried to maintain this connection because that was vital for the kids in lockdown. Mm. Um, And then what was the next part? Oh, the next part was, yeah, so talking about going back to the growth aspect, do you have any sort of plans to open up another space or you're done to to and done uh like I said before I thought we were done at one but you know sometimes life throws you lemons and you do have to make lemonade with them so um I think for now our focus will be on getting the agency up and running but I'm not knocking back the idea of you know another location perhaps it'll be more of a permanent location at the moment we're just in council facilities so who knows yeah, and I do I do the whole council and sublease facilities. I've got eight club locate we call them clubs, eight club locations. Um, and yeah, we just sublease. That works for us in our model because we are so modular and we like having expanding across multiple venues. I would say though that there is some sort of there is a bit of a dream to have my mm-hmm. own space. I've had my own space before. Um and it didn't go well. And that was years ago when I first started out. And it wasn't for any other reason except I had a nightmare landlord. And it makes a difference, doesn't it? Nightmare, like as in he lived upstairs and was an alcoholic and came down and abused me nearly every day. So that's an insane example. But I think that has jaded my <laughs> I don't think that's normal. Okay, I'm going to put that out there. That is not normal, um, but it was intense and it was stressful for me. So I think when I left that um, lease agreement, I just went, oh, okay, I'm just not going to do that for a while. <laughs> and it's been like five years, I think. I think that would have been 2014, I signed the lease. How many, I don't even know, how many years is that? And I was there for only seven AU. Only 12 months I was there and it was like the worst 12 months of my life. There was water damage in the walls. We had no electricity. He refused to fix things. It was an absolute nightmare. So anyway, having said that, um, 
I am now moved on from that five years, six years later. Um, yeah, yeah, I would love to have a home base. I think for me it would be great to have a home base where um, just like yourself, you know, it's like a place to call home. doesn't mean you won't have like satellite um, studios. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so for me I'll still have multiple club sites. But just to have a home base would be amazing. And I'd love to have the theatre in it. Oh, my God. I, would I, think, my own I think a multifunctional space would definitely be a dream. Yes. Again, we always say it's this dream and, you know, so many studio owners are living it and I'm sure they didn't think it was a dream the past couple of years. Um, it's I'm That's right. a nightmare for everyone. But, yeah, like you said, it has to sort of work with your model Um and, yeah, I think whilst we're still sort of finding our feet, we've been thankful that we went down the route that we did yes. uh, by not signing any leases too prematurely and especially after hearing your story, um, which I do remember you telling me one day, yeah, it just it, I'm glad I didn't find that horrible scenario. Oh, too. don't let me scare you. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to facilitate the dream. So, no, I, I'm not going to scare you back. It's it like I'm glad I didn't sign anything over the last couple of years, but um, there's definitely been the challenge of that. Um, we've been lucky because we've, with as you know, with sublease arrangements and council, if there's COVID scenarios, they just let you not go there and not pay. It's not an issue. Whereas some people have had to battle their landlords over the last couple of years and see what they can get or apply for rental government assistance. So, I mean, we didn't have that challenge, you and I, but, um, but yeah, there is something to be said about having your own space. And that is something that I would be liking to do. Um, I wanted to wait for everything to settle with COVID a bit before I do that. Um, but it is on the cards as well for me too. So there you go. That's going to be something we can do together. <laughs> An exciting dream to look forward to. That's it. That's it. Um, all right. Um, now I've got one more question and I, and I always ask this to my guests, so I'm going to ask it to you too. Who or what inspires you? See, this is always one of those tricky questions and I have listened to your other podcasts, so I sort of knew this was coming. Um, who inspires me? I think it would have to be my mum. Yeah. I think, you know, there's just something about mums. They just make everything work, um, even when it shouldn't sometimes. Yeah. Um, my mum comes every Saturday to the studio to help me, you know, particularly through oh. COVID, we needed that extra doorman or woman I should say um to sort of man the Ford and you know help the kids out and try and reduce you know crowding and that sort of thing so mm. it's just been nice to have that stability um and just obviously knowing that she'll always be there makes yeah. such a difference I think that's beautiful is she a volunteer <laughs> she sure I mean, is <laughs> I need one of those Get me a volunteer, please. I want one of those. That sounds amazing. Oh, that's beautiful. The price is unconditional love. That's right. <laughs> that's what I say. And um, what's next for Isabella? What's next for me? Um, at the moment, I'm still, I'm in the middle of completing or upgrading my Cert 4 to a diploma in dance teaching. Mm -hmm. Um obviously running full steam ahead with the agency. And, you know, we want to get to dream numbers for students, you know, just be back on stage, you know, have the full kit and caboodle again because we've missed that the past couple of years. So we yeah. definitely want to just go back to normal, I think, that's yeah. as much as normal can be. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I can't wait to get into implementation with you with our Talent Manager Bootcamp um, course experience. Um, you know, we're going to be opening up your own in-house talent management service in April, and that is so exciting. Um, and I'll just mention quickly to anyone listening, uh, I will put a little link in the description so you can find out all about it, all about the course. And it's going to be open for only nine days in March. So it is a bit exclusive. <laughs> so nine days in March and, um, yeah, jump in there and uh, make sure you register your interest um, or enroll into the program because I think it's really going to help level up your service and just provide an extra, um, you know, an extra offering that's going to not just like Isabella said, increase your income, but also just really build that energy and excitement within your studio and offer something really cool for your kids and for your adults, kids, doesn't matter, for your students in general. Um, all right, Isabella, thank you so much for your time today. Take care and um, I will see you soon. Thanks for having us, Joe. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com and you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World and you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening.